Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, the congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been out for a couple weeks. It feels good to be back in the saddle. Quick question for you. What, what is God like? What's the first word, description, or, or picture that comes to your mind? Maybe it's a kindly old man with a long beard or a Jewish rabbi in a white bathrobe walking around on a dusty path. Maybe it's an angry judge or a divine spark or a supernatural consciousness. How would you describe God? What is God like? Well, how about God is like a patient farmer a connoisseur of fine jewelry, a real estate broker, a miracle seed, a fishing net, or a woman who works at the Costco bakery. These are all pictures of what God is like in a cluster of parables that Jesus teaches that are recorded in Matthew chapter 13. The gospel hope that we have today is that in this time of unemployment and political gridlock, pandemic, and racial unrest, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven. These parables point us to a God who is good, a world that is created by and cared for by this God, this God who is prodigal and patient, passionate and persistent, a God who is hidden and revealed, a God whose mercy and mission simply cannot and will not fail to bear fruit in you and in me for the sake of the world. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to take a look at the first of these, uh, what are actually eight parables in Matthew chapter 13. This is going to be part one of a three-part series. But today we're going to look at verses 1 through 23 of Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to give you some discussion questions and takeaways by the end of this podcast. And I hope that you take some time to reflect on those, uh, act on those, and maybe discuss them with friends or family. The notes and questions along with Bible references and worship resources are in the podcast notes and on our website, www.faithshelton.org. I'm grateful to Chaz for his production work on this podcast every week. And there's bonus points for you if you can identify the Simon and Garfunkel song that I refer to later in this podcast. We're going to begin with a prayer. Lord, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. Lord, let my heart be good soils where love can grow and peace is understood. When my heart is hard, break the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me on your way. Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart be good soil. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter, beginning at the first verse. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow seed. As he was uh, scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. 
the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. For in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. Jesus goes on, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, Jesus goes on. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time, and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling uh, among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred or sixty or thirty times what is sown. Well, this is a fairly long passage from Scripture, so let's break it down into three parts. The first part of the first nine verses, the, the parable itself. So we have this scene, it's a lake shore. Jesus is teaching a pretty good-sized crowd. And he tells them there's this farmer. This farmer goes out one day to plant seeds in his field. Some of the seed ends up spilled on the driveway, which attracts hungry birds from all over. Uh, Then the farmer scatters seed on a stretch of land that doesn't get any irrigation. It's a dry, rocky section out behind the shed. Thanks to a wet spring, it'll sprout, but the plants will wither quickly as soon as summer hits. (laughs) And then there's the huge blackberry patch on the other end of the property, and he throws a bunch of seed over there, too. The plants will grow, of course, but the blackberries will absolutely smother out and choke anything before it can produce. Not that anyone would want to brave the blackberry vines to harvest it. And finally, he plants seed in the field that he's prepared for planting, where the seeds indeed take root and grow. And by the end of the growing season, the seeds produce the fruit that they were meant to produce. Some of the plants even yield multiple harvests. And that's the story. Let me talk about parables in general. And this uh, plays to the, to the middle section here, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. There are a lot of ways that teachers can teach. There are lectures and labs, tests and testimonies, object lessons and online courses, case studies and apprenticeships. Uh, Jesus employs most all of these throughout his ministry, from the Sermon on the Mount to the time when he sends his disciples off on a field trip. He teaches by example, self-sacrifice, leading by serving. Most famously, though, Jesus uses parables. These are brief stories, riddles, metaphors, sometimes allegories to teach people what God is like. 
Parables don't tell, so much tell us what a thing is like as they poke holes into our preconceived notions. You can't nail down a parable. They prompt more questions than answers. By teaching in parables, Jesus opens the door to a whole lot of confusion and frustration and adventures in missing the point. If you want a straight answer, if you want clarity and precision, for the love of God, don't use a parable. But this is also what makes parables so effective. A parable invites a person to think about something from a different perspective. Parables might not give clear answers, but they help us ask better questions. Parables have layers and nuance and can mean different things to different people depending upon the context. Parables show us who God is through the eyes of each of the characters. Parables resist being reduced to a single moral or lesson. Parables start conversations and rarely end them. And this is what Matthew chapter 13 verses 10 through 17 is trying to get at, I think. Jesus teaches with parables because describing the kingdom of God, trying to help someone understand what God is like, you just can't get at it directly. Did you know that in the Old Testament, people believed that seeing the face of God would kill them? God was too much for human senses to to perceive. Our mortal, human, limited brains don't have the capacity to grasp what one Bible writer calls the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And if our modern social media shows us anything these days, it is that the prophet Isaiah was right when he lamented that people hear all sorts of things but rarely listen. It's like the old Simon and Garfunkel song, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. So if we can't see God and we can't discern God's voice, then how finally can we know what God is like? Well, what the Bible teaches is that we can only know what God reveals about God's self and that Jesus is God's ultimate revelation. True God, Son of the Father from eternity, truly human, born of the Virgin Mary. Everything we can and need to know about God, everything we can and need to know about being human. When we look at the face of Jesus, we see the face of God and we live to tell about it. So more than one generation of Christ followers have marveled at this idea, this idea that those disciples actually spent time with God himself. They expressed envy of those original disciples. So Matthew 13, 16, and 17 articulates this when Jesus says to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Here's the thing, though. By the power of the Holy Spirit, these parables... Let us today hear the voice of Jesus. And Jesus describes to us the kingdom of God. Jesus describes to us what God is like. And so we can truly say, blessed are our ears and eyes today as we look at these parables. And so the third part of this section, uh, verses 18 through 23, Jesus gives an explanation of the parable. Well, sort of. An allegory, he, he gives it. And one way to look at the parable, he says, is for the types of soil to represent how different people respond to the word of God. To some, he says, the message of the kingdom of heaven, the revelation of God in Christ Jesus, just falls on deaf ears. Others catch on quick, but it doesn't go very deep, and those people cut bait at the first sign of conflict or crisis. Still others, uh, Jesus is great, but so is my job, my hobbies, and even my church. 
And so my relationship with Jesus gets choked or throttled or buried by what he calls the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And sometimes the conditions are such that the word of God actually takes root in a person's heart. And the gifts, the blessings, the example of the person of faith bears fruit and has a positive impact on the world around them, the people around them, extending through family, community, church, nation, and even the world. Understand, this explanation leaves a lot on the table. Who exactly is the farmer? And the seed is the word of the kingdom. Well, what is that? Is it a message about the kingdom of heaven? Is it about Jesus himself, the word of God who became flesh? Is this a parable about soil? Or is it a parable about the seed? Or is it a parable about the farmer? What if the point of the story is not just to tell us how to get to heaven, but to tell us about the sword of God who made heaven and earth in the first place, the one who sends the Holy Spirit to every nook and cranny of creation, spreading the good news comprehensively, indiscriminately, prodigiously, with little concern for the efficacy or efficiency or whether or not we're ready for it, whether or not we deserve it, whether or not we'll use it right. God is a farmer who values the whole farm, who trusts the nature of the seed to grow and bear fruit or even provide food for the birds of the air. God is a farmer who knows that even bird seed eventually, well, it comes out the other end. Um, Now fertilized, now miles away in a further field where it might find some good soil or maybe even a windshield. A farmer God is a farmer who likes picking blackberries to make pie. God is a farmer who finds value in even short-lived glimpses of life and faith, who knows that eventually even rocky soil, given enough time and compost and rainy seasons, is suitable and and will grow things. And that maybe some of what God plants are desert flowers, beautiful, fragile, and fleeting just because God likes the way they smell and look. What if the point of these parables is is that God doesn't necessarily do things the way we expect, that God's ways are not our ways, that agency, initiative, and power belong to God, not to us, that God the Father is the farmer, God the Son is the Word, the seed that came to earth was planted, died, and was buried only to emerge from the tomb with enough life and fruit to save us all, that the nature of God is self-sacrifice, a seed that dies to produce a harvest, a shepherd who lays down down his life for his sheep. An old hymn describes Jesus this way. Being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a slave, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." This is the God who created us, who loves us, has a purpose for us. This is the gospel taking root in our hearts and lives, growing in us, bearing fruit through us, that the gospel has been planted in the world that has taken root and will grow and spread and feed and heal and flourish and no power or pesticide or principality in heaven on earth can thwart the kingdom of God. Can you believe that? Well, The parable tells us that God is going to keep on sowing and planting and tending your heart until you do. So praise the Lord. Here's the most important thing. 
Here's the takeaway, the most important thing I want you to, to receive from this message today, that the Word of God is already accomplishing its purposes in you. God's Word has already been planted in you today, or maybe today in your hearing. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or even how you would rate your current soil quality. It's never too late. God isn't waiting for you to get your life together, your ducks in a row or your poop in a group. God has already given you everything you need to grow, to bear fruit, to bless others and glorify God. And so today is an invitation. It's an invitation for you now. It's an invitation for you to say yes to Jesus, to trust the promise that you are loved, that you are lovely and you are never alone. It's an invitation to say yes to the power of the Holy Spirit, It's going to make the seed of faith grow in you and bear fruit. The the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Say yes. Put your trust in God. And then I just want to add some discussion questions. This is a new part of my podcast. You can tell me if this is helpful or not, but I I want to invite people to take this podcast and and share it in a group and and have some of these discussions. And I include these notes in, um, in the podcast notes as well. But I want to think about it in terms of three questions, Uh, uh, questions around belonging, about becoming, and about blessing. So a couple questions about belonging. I want to invite you to think, where are you in this parable? Do you identify with one of the soils? Which one? Uh, uh, How does it make you feel to know that God has planted God's kingdom in your heart, that God loves you and believes in you no matter how dry or tangled or crazy your life feels today? Another question about belonging. Think about the picture that God, um, of God that Jesus presents in this parable. How would you describe this God? Is it different than the picture of God that you've had in your mind previously? Does that change how you feel about God? In what ways? So those are questions about belonging. and Questions about becoming. How would you describe the quality or state of the soil of your heart these days? Are you feeling barren or rocky or dry, muddy, thorn-infested, ready and open for planting? It's okay wherever you're at. But what's one thing you want to change about your soil or your life that might help you better receive the kingdom of God and allow God's word to grow and and to bear fruit in your life? Think about this as our our nation these days. How would you describe the state of our national heart, our national soil? Based on this parable, what do you think God is doing in our nation, in our world today? What is God's response to what God sees in our world? And finally, around, around this, how are these crises of 2020, pandemic, racial protests, uh, uh, political dysfunction, economic dirt, downturn, how are these impacting your soil? How are these impacting your growth? How do these influences make faith harder? And how do these influences actually help faith grow? And then finally, I want to think you to think about a couple of, of blessings. Uh, what do you think that God has planted in your heart? For what purpose do you think that God has planted you in this world here and now? What are ways that you feel like you've produced or are producing a harvest in your lifetime today? 
I want, to, I want you to ask family members, friends, coworkers to share what they have seen God accomplish through you. And then I want you to plant a seed of faith and encouragement in someone else. Tell at least one other person this week about how their life of faith has blessed you. And I want you to thank them. You know, write them a thank you note or, or have the conversation, whatever it does. Plant a seed of faith and encouragement in someone else. And then the third question or, or challenge for you is, is to feed the hungry. Farmers plant seeds to grow and bear fruit so that people can eat. So let's think about that just in really literal, tangible terms. And I challenge you to make an extra donation to Community Lifeline or volunteer with Saint's Pantry or plant a garden or buy a gift card from a local restaurant or make a grab-and-go bag and give it to someone on the street. How can you, how can you bless somebody this week? What are ways that uh, you're becoming uh, the soil, the seed, the person God is making you to be? How is it that we understand who we are and how we belong in the, in the kingdom, in the field of God, in the body of Christ? Well, that's what I've got for you today. Thanks for listening to this week's uh, We'll Preach for Food podcast. I've included those discussion questions and podcast notes and at our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can click on the link provided to make a financial gift to Faith Shelton or, or to Community Lifeline directly if the Spirit moves you. Community Lifeline does incredible work providing meals and shelter for neighbors in need right here in the Shelton area. And if this message has encouraged you or challenged you or, or helped the seed of faith grow in you even just a little bit, please subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts or any other way you listen to podcasts. You can share it with a, share it with a friend or make a comment. And I invite you to tune in next week for part two of this series. I leave you with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.